Thank you for listening to Made to Be, a podcast exploring the surprising professional paths of extraordinary women in business. I'm Kristen Berman, co-founder and CEO of Philly Made Creative, a marketing and media production agency. Listen as I facilitate powerful conversations with women who are masters of their crafts. Learn about their journeys and just what it took to become who they were made to be. I said, I said, I said, I'm not fired. <laughs> I said, no, you can't fire me. I said, here's what I'll do. Give me my job right back. This is what I'm going to do. This is my plan and I'm going to make it. And uh, within two years, I made manager of major markets. So it worked. Today, I have Kate Heyman. She is the CEO of Prelude Solutions. And Prelude Solutions optimizes communications platforms. And they are also a certified women business enterprise. So Kate, thank you so much for being on Made to Be today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And what is Prelude Solutions? If you can just say, give a little bit of a, just a quick elevator pitch of what your company does and who they do it for. What we do is we go into organizations and we analyze everything an organization has from a voice, a data, a network, a mobile, and a cable perspective as far as services go, right? As well as how those services mesh with a platform. And then we find savings according to their invoices, their contracts, their customer service records, and also their service agreements. And what we're finding is roughly 33% savings just in that audit alone. So, you know, we're, we're making the CFO happy right there. How did you get into communications platforms and started providing the service for people? <laughs> I worked for a competitive local exchange carrier in 1998, okay? And what I did there is I literally slept local long distance internet up and down the Eastern corridor. And I was there for seven and a half years. And what happened was every time that I would input a new customer, you had to input, you know, put them on, onboard them, put through their services, we'd have to go out on site with their first invoice and present that invoice for um, you know them to, to really like say, okay, here's your first invoice, you know, welcome to you know this new company. And inevitably that invoice would be incorrect every time, even though I would implement it, the information or a client care would do so. And by by doing that, I realized, you know what, there is a business here. So after seven and a half years of um, you know working there, I said, you know what, I think I'm gonna go off and start my own business being a, a consultant going in and auditing um, organizations for exactly this, you know, looking at their local, their long distance, their internet, pull their customer service records, find out where, where the misspellings are and what happened. So Kate, after seven and a half years of being sick and tired of continuous errors, how did you make the transition to seeing, you know what, there's a business opportunity and I'm going to make that happen? Well, you know what, I was lucky enough to meet another individual who had had that same vision. So her and I actually started off in the playroom of her home with this vision. And, you know, we just made it happen. It was just her and I. And, you know, we started earning business based on, on auditing. And that's how it just, it just started. And, you know, before you knew it, we uh, had eight consultants and we were writing RFPs 
doing uh, project management, finding uh, you know audits and erroneous charges, and our customers started getting larger and larger, and we had to you know bring on more people. And after about um, two years, we wrote the RFP for the Philadelphia Museum of Art, and um, we did the project management for it. And that's when we expanded that current business to hardware and software. And we merged with another individual, so then there were three owners of that first company. And what were some of the challenges getting that off the ground, starting in the playroom of your partner's house? Right. How, what was that like? It was nose to the grind, working every day as hard as, you know, as hard as you, hard as you can, right? So I was, you know, we were doing the audits and uh, there's even a funny story where in order to get, um, <laughs> we only had like one printer and we only had one network cable and we'd have to like plug into her. I'd have to send it to her. She had to print it from her printer. It was just crazy. Like, but that's what you did. Right. And then, you know, soon, like literally probably after three months, we were already paying for uh, office space, but uh, we grew that company to 45 people and 12 million. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But revenue doesn't matter. Profit matters. <laughs> So, you know, 45, 45 salaries of engineers and technicians and, and vehicles and warehousing, you know, you can do the math. <laughs> now, what was it like in, in that growth period? I mean, that happened over how, how many years? And, right. and what was one of the biggest challenges of your growth? Um, so, you know what? There were, there were a couple big challenges in, in the growth period. So you've got to, you got to realize that um, you had three personalities and three business partners coming together in 2008 when we brought on the hardware software. And then the hardware software that we brought on, we became a Nortel partner. And Nortel, shortly after we became a partner, went bankrupt. Mm. Yep. So right after we joined this partnership, we've got now 16 people, right? You know, a new office space, you know, new partners. So you got new personalities and then bam, your largest product line goes, really goes bankrupt. And then their largest competitor, Avaya, buys Nortel, which like some people would have literally sawed off their left arm if they were a Nortel user to go Avaya because they were like arch enemies, you know, never, not, you know, it was a very hard adoption. So it was not an easy start in 2008. And then right around 2011, the original business partner no longer wanted to be part of the three of us. So we went through a, a very contentious uh, partner breakup. And our agreement at the time was 33 and a third and 33 and a third and 33 and a third. And it was actually written that way too. So it was, our agreement was written for three people. So um, when that person left, the agreement was not rewritten and it ended up with a 50-50 agreement between the partner that was there and myself. And uh, that was a male partner. So we were in a 50-50 agreement and then we go into the uh, the tragedy of 2013 <laughs> where, where every business you know, hung on with its, with its nails and its dear life to get through uh, the recession. We did it. We got through the recession. But everything happening at once, partner divorce of three, recession 2011, 2012, going right into that. And then having to, in 2013, be faced with just one business partner and myself and going into the next chapter of that business. You're going through all these challenges. You've got this breakup amongst the business partners. Right. Now you are pushing through the recession yes. and staying strong, right. but now you're in a business with a male counterpart yes. who the two of you are making decisions where in, in the past you had been a female dominant company. Right. What, what shifted amongst the organization at that time? 
There were many shifts, um, to be very honest. So, you know, in this partnership, I ended up taking the reins, if you will, because there were many times where I would, you just can only ask to have something done so many times where you just stop asking and they don't, it just doesn't get done. So, you know, I had, I had a, a running, uh, a running <laughs> ticking talk of like, okay, if I ask eight times, will he do it? Nine, 10, and then he won't. And then I just have to do it myself. And it was a passive aggressive type of situation that way, you know, it, and it was, it was a constant situation. And then I actually, my son was born in November of 2013. And we had just right before that in the September of that year, earned a very large um, county bid, which is about over a little over 3 million. And so the timing of that, you know, managing that and getting that, you know, to starting to project management and implementation was all coming to, you know, at the beginning of that and right in November, um, Nash was born. And then I realized that while I was off on quote unquote maternity leave, the business could not function without me. It was paralyzed. And then I realized while I was, you know, working every day, while I should not have been, that the, the business was really being run by me in every part of it, whether it was operations, sales, project management, finance, everything was really being run by me. So that being said, I, I thought it was only appropriate to say, you know what, this should be a women-owned business. It was my business in the first place. You came in three years afterwards. I really would like to give you a proposal where, you know, I, I own a little, little more shares, if you will, so that we can be women-owned and, um, you know, really have that opportunity to take advantage of that diversity and inclusion and being women-owned. And um, the answer was no. The answer was no, and the answer was no, and it was no, and it was no. And I obviously sought legal advice, and we, and so did he, and we ended up that the agreement did not allow for me to get out or for me to earn any more points unless he agreed to it. And it was a very, very bad situation. He did not agree to the buyout and just, you know, sunk his feet in and didn't move. It was, it was a very bad situation. You know, we I finally said enough's enough. You know, I have a, at this point, I have a two and a half year old who, you know, I haven't really been present for the people are suffering at the company. That's not fair. And you know, everything's suffering. Everybody was suffering. And I knew that I could do it again. I took five employees and my consulting business and I sold off the hardware software. And that's how, you know, I came to where we are today, um, which is Prelude Solutions. You're listening to Made to Be, a podcast featuring extraordinary women in business produced by Philly Made Creative. We hope you're enjoying this episode. If you believe you or somebody you know should be featured as a guest, please email madetobe at phillymadecreative.com. It's so great that you are really candid about what happened. How did you get through that? You know what? I, I think I was almost like a zombie, honestly. Like I was putting one foot in front of the other, but I just kept on like doing that. I had to do it. It was brushing myself off every day and getting back in there and doing it. And, and it was constant. And then I had to, if you would, give it up. I was doubtful. I 
was insecure. I was, you know, I was hurt. You know, I just lost something that I built for 11 and a half years. I was like, okay, I can do this again. I can get up and I could do this again. But it, it wasn't easy. You know, there were days where I had to fake it. And I started just getting back out there and making it happen. And, you know, that's, that's how 2017 just said, you know what, if you fail, you fail, but at least you've got to give it your all because you've done it before. And that's, and that's how it started. What was that personally over the last couple of years in building Prelude? How, how has your personal support system been there for you? It's been a rock. It's been, a, you know, because good, bad, you know, in different days, right? I was up and down. And, you know, personally, obviously, you know, my husband, knowing that I could rely on Eric to be there for Nash, take care of Nash, and, and that support system was in place, um, that was helpful. What was it like being a lone CEO, the lone partner of this new entity, and having all of those decisions, you were the only person to make the decisions now? You know, that's where the self-doubt came in. You know, I was like, can I really do this by myself? I would say that there were days when I was, you know, doubting myself and even if I would say paralyzed, you know, like, I'm like, where, okay, now what do I do? Am I doing this right? And then I would just trudge through and do it. And I, and I had um, some really good mentors along my, my beginnings. So that was very helpful. What has made you so resilient? You know, I think that's my upbringing. If, you know, if, if, if you're really going to get into that, because, you know, you can't, you don't have this attitude where you, you can be, I would say, knocked down so many times where you, you know that you can get back up again. So it's that constant ability to, okay, so, you know, my, my mother's been married and divorced twice. Um, I've, I've been a teenager going through a parental divorce, um, you know, had to move out of a beautiful home with an in-ground pool and, you know, all my friends to no, to a completely different place, um, you know, where I had to start over again, right? All over again, reinvent myself. What were some things that you remember that was either inspirational or words of encourage, encouragement at that time at, uh, when your parents were going through that divorce and when you were going through this starting over phase? Was there anything that you remember that stands out that got you through that? <laughs> There were a number of things. So I had a uh, very loving and caring um, grandparents and, and stepfather and father that w were all very supportive and, and actually an aunt and uncle too. So, there, so I was surrounded by loving people, okay? But I also threw myself into sports at the time. So I was captain of the track team, you know, ran every – I went to States for the 800. So I was a runner. I was, um, you know, again, making sure that I was measuring myself up always against, you know, my community, right? Whether it's the track community, I wanted to be the best 800 runner and the 400 and the relay and the, okay, you know, whatever I needed to do to make the team win, we were very good. What did you think you were going to do when you went into college and all of this is going on in your life? Okay. Yeah, that's a good question. When I went into college, I went in thinking that I was going to be a psychologist. 
So I went in industrial psychology and business and um, I really thought that that's, you know, that's where my calling was. And I, I did, you know, mind, body and soul papers. Um, <laughs> you know, I was, I had a, a, some great mentors at, at Wilkes University. Um, and right when I graduated, um, my undergraduate, I had a job right away being a counselor in workers' comp. So I got a, you know, I got a taste for, okay, you know, go into counseling. I was one of the, the counselors that got most, most people back to work. So that was, a, that was my claim to fame. I think I got 21 people back to work one year, which was amazing, by the way. But it, it was a good time, you know, and then uh, I, I immediately started my master's in community counseling and human relations. So I, I continued in that field for six years, you know, between, because I wanted to get my master's. It was 1998 when I said, you know what, there's something, if I can get 21 people back to work, I should be in sales. <laughs> so you, you saw how strong you were within the counseling community, even if it was in workers comp yeah. that you thought, you know what, let me, sh- let me shift the skill into sales instead. Yes, I did. <laughs> I said sales is where I, I belong. <laughs> yeah. well, how did you know, did somebody tell you, you know what, you might be great at sales or did you see somebody and say, you know what, that's a better fit? I just, I just knew it. I just knew it. You know what I mean? I was like, so at the time I was, I was, uh, still very athletic. So, um, I was racing mountain bikes. I was doing marathons. So I was always competitive and I wasn't getting that competitive challenge, uh, in, in, in my work, my everyday, you know, job. And I said, you know what, I've got, I've got to do something different. So that's why I, I made that switch to sales. Cause of course, then I can be competitive all day long. <laughs> it seemed like you got a, you found a, a solid personality match for you professionally that you weren't getting. Yeah, I did. I did. Yep. Yeah. And so when you first got into sales, was that, were you instantly like, this is it? Or were there still those doubts of maybe um, I didn't make this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It wasn't. I literally, it's a great story. Anthony Carloza was my boss and he'll tell you the story too. And he fired me. Do you know he fired me? He said, you're not doing it. You, you know what? You go home, you're fired. And I went home. I was fired. Do you know, I came back the next day and I said, I'm not fired. (laughs) I said, I said, I'm not fired. (laughs) I said, no, you can't fire me. I said, here's what I'll do. Give me my job right back. This is what I'm going to do. This is my plan and I'm going to make it. And uh, within two years, I made manager of major markets. So it worked. But Mm. yeah, I I literally in the middle of my sales career was fired. And it was because I wasn't doing what I said I was going to do. It was my own. It was my own fault. I deserved it. Kristen, I deserved to get fired because I had a sour attitude. I was just not not in a good spot. I don't know really specifically what it was, but I was goofing off. <laughs> and and that night when you were fired, did you go home and write out this whole plan? No, was no, were you? No, no, I licked my wounds. <laughs> and I woke up. Yeah, I, I licked my wounds, and then I woke up and I said, "Oh wait a second, I'm not fired. <laughs> fired? Are you kidding me?" It was like a, I think I put the plan together that day. It might have been like that. Like the end of that day is I I called and I said, "Oh yeah, we need to meet the next day, whatever it was." So yeah, yeah it was, a true salesperson. Yeah, exactly. I was like, "Wait a second, that's not gonna happen." 
<laughs> you are definitely somebody who goes after what they want and you will not stop until you get it. That's, <laughs> uh, that's, that's true. That's true. And I think, you know, I, but I, I think I've learned that, um, there is, there is a way to get what you want, meaning, you know, you've got to do things the, the right way. Right. So I've did, I've done things the wrong way. And I, you know, I, I, I think things could have been, you know, but they are what they are at this point. You know what I mean? And if I don't learn and, and take advantage of, um, you know, my shortcomings, if you will, or my failures, then I'm never going to, to be, you know, I'm never going to grow, you know, and I'll, and I don't want to make the same mistake twice. Right. So, you know, you can, you can learn or you can, you know, not learn. Right. I guess is really, there's no, there's no wisdom in that statement, by the way, at all. (laughs) (laughs) You can learn or you can not learn. There you have it. There you have it. Simple as that. What are some ways that you either stay mindful or maybe there's some monthly or quarterly or even daily rituals that you might do to make sure that you keep yourself in check, that you are focusing on those priorities and not slipping into any of those habits that you don't want? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm still very much a, you know, look at your day, see what you need to prioritize what, what has to get done on that day. I'm a, I mean, I have three different color coded lists. <laughs> So I'm a color coder, right? Love the colors. And then from a personal perspective, that work-life balance, you know, it's, it's that making sure that that balance, that is balanced out physically as well. I keep, I stay in shape. That helps me mentally. That's my, that's my mental stability is constantly making sure that, you know, I'm doing something physically. That's great. As a business owner, being able to take that time for yourself and being a mom, being a wife, being able to yeah. take that time for yourself to give you, like you said, that, that sort of mental stability and physical stability at the same time. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. Any, any last words of wisdom that you want to leave women with, whether they're looking to advance in their current company or they're looking to make a jump into entrepreneurship? First of all, if they are a women-owned business, the support, the culture at WeBank is excellent. The support that you get um, for, for you know, having that certification and being able to leverage that amongst the Fortune 500s and 1000s is, is abundant. I would also say that um, believe in yourself because when it seems like you really don't want to, um, put one foot in front of the other. If you just put the foot in front and then put the next foot in front and then put the next foot in front and just continue to do the right thing, things will happen. Things will happen. So that's, that's what I would leave you with. Great. Kate Heyman from Prelude Solutions. Thank you so much for being on Made to Be. This has been fantastic and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Made to Be is a production of Philly Made Creative. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you like this episode, subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Google, or Anchor, and stay tuned for future episodes.